Whenever we talk about gifts that surprise us, you know, I know that uh, and immediately in my, my mind I, I start thinking about Christmas because that's the big gift-giving time. And, uh, and even though we take a whole lot of, we make a whole lot of effort at uh, surprising one another, we also are interested in, if we're going to give a gift to someone, uh, we're interested in, in what it is that they need. I mean, uh, it's, it's, actually it's nice to get a gift that's very useful to you. Men will get that. Men, men will understand that. Men don't mind getting things for the garage, whereas women don't really care to get things for the kitchen. Um, this is a little bit of a difference in us. But, uh, uh, but every once in a while, someone will simply surprise us. Oftentimes when we re- open a gift, we already know what it is because that's what we ask for. And our friends, our family want to give us the things that we ask for or say that we need, right? But every once in a while, it'll, it, it, there will be a gift that comes into our lives that we just, in the words of a very, very, very famous sailor, blow me down. It blows you down, right? Just kind of, you, you, never, you never saw Popeye? <laughs> blow me down, that's what he said. Well, anyway. Sometimes those things do, and they just kind of uh, throw us off, and it's a, it's, a, it's a real surprise. And I remember, as a child, I remember being surprised. Now, uh, going out on Christmas morning and seeing a bicycle next to the... Uh, actually, we had already opened everything up, and, you know, it was a, it was a decent day. You know, you know how the kids are. I said, well, how was your haul? Well, it was medium, you know, medium, you know, it, it, we did okay. And then we went to our rooms, we came back out, and there were bicycles there. Whoa. Now, back in the, in the late 60s and the early 70s, I know some of you have three or four bicycles, kids, you know, right? Uh, back then, that was the primo. That was the gift of all gifts at Christmas time, right? Remember that, guys? Boomers? Uh, that was a gift. And so that was a real surprise. I didn't see that coming. And um, lots of fun. Lots of fun. And gifts are, uh, you know, and God's full of surprises, right? I'm talking to you about, now this is a really important path. Um, a sermon this morning, because it has to do with the power of God, and it has to do with um, with what God wants us to have. Now, uh, as you know, I started I started a series on the Holy Spirit last week, and um, and just to recap it uh, in in the in the gospel accounts of the New Testament, we see Jesus kind of coming up and 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 revealing Himself to His disciples, and we find in in John, in particular, as he, as he gets ready to leave, he, has, he does three years of ministry. After he calls them, he does three years of ministry with them. And then, you know, he's got a plan. And even though he shares that plan with them, and, and how many of us know that God has a plan and sometimes we're just not listening? Yep. Right? And I think the disciples were like that. They weren't listening. You know, he would say things to them that just kind of like, they would, they, would, they would do a huddle and say, what in the world is he talking about? Is he saying this because we didn't bring bread? We didn't bring a lunch? Oh. And, God, and Jesus would just respond and, and clarify everything. And uh, he called the disciples, the three years of ministry, and they finally get that, that Jesus is the Messiah. He has come. Okay? And, 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 and there are times when he sends them out. Twice he sent the disciples out to do ministry. Right? They came back, and as I said last week, they came back rejoicing that even demons were subject to them. I mean, they were casting demons out. The people who were demonized, that's pretty radical, isn't it? I mean, even to see people who are uh, demonized today, you know? If we're, if we're recognizing, maybe we would see more, but, but maybe it's perhaps because we're a little spiritually dull that we just don't even notice that the, the, the influence of, of the enemy uh, in and around us. Okay, uh, and the end was near. And Jesus introduced this new phase of ministry that he's talking about by saying, "I'm getting ready to leave." Okay, that didn't quite square with their understanding of what God was going to do, what the Messiah would do. They, the, and, and you've heard me say this before, their intention, their belief was that Jesus was coming, the Messiah was coming, and that he would at some point set up his kingdom 
I mean, uh, that, that was their teaching. So even to the degree of right up to the end, uh, they were saying, no, Jesus, we don't want to hear that you're going away, that you're going away. I mean, you're going to set up the kingdom. And even to the point where they were, they were picking out positions and places, you know, in, in the kingdom. In other words, we're going into Jerusalem. Okay. Yes, Palm Sunday's coming up. We're going into Jerusalem. Uh, I think it was Zebedee's, uh, Zebedee's wife, uh, James and John's mom, who, who got close to Jesus and was trying to kind of like slip in there and said, oh, by the way, I need a favor from you, Jesus. And I said, okay. He said, will you put my, my two sons on the left and right of you when you come into your kingdom? I said, you see, and, 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 and that, that went over like a lead balloon, so to speak. Uh, not only among, uh, not, not only, Jesus was, was obviously saying, well, you're not getting it, folks. You're not getting it. So as this thing uh, developed, he said to them, I'm leaving, but someone else will come and kind of take my place. Not in a sacramental way, you know, we understand this now. But he says, and he said things like uh, the parakletos, you know him, the Holy Spirit, he's with you, but he shall be in you. He said, when I go away, it's, he says, it's to your benefit that I go away. Because if I don't go away, he will not come. And when he comes, he's going to do all these other things. And I've been sharing that with you. And if you will take the time to read the 14th, 15th, 16th, 17th chapters of John, you'll, you'll pick this up. Now, I shared, with, shared some of these things with you. Now, why is all this important? It's because we're living in that day now. And, and available to us is great power. Okay? Avail- in, in spite of what people, uh, other people say who, who would say that, that, all of that, all that spiritual stuff went out when the apostles, when the last of the apostles died. Yeah? I don't know where they get that. I mean, I, I know where they get it, but it doesn't ring true. But in John 16, verse 5, But now I am going to him who sent me. And none of you asked me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. But I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. And concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. Now, Wednesday night, I shared on this next part of the passage, but you want to get this. I have many more things to say to you, Jesus said. Now, now on the other hand, he's leaving. He says, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own initiative... But whatever he hears, he will speak and will disclose it to you. Now catch this. He will glorify me. Now, if, you, if, you, if, you're, if you're studying, if you're paying attention, you get the, you get the sense and the nature and the characteristics of, 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 of the presence of the Holy Spirit. He will glorify me, he says. Okay. So if there's a spirit in your life that is it's, it's, it's like redirecting you away from Jesus, it's not God. Okay? Can I say it that way? Okay. It's not God. It's not the Holy Spirit. He says, uh, He will guide you into all. I say, He will glorify me, for He will take of mine those things which are mine and disclose it to you. All things the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said to you, He takes of mine and will disclose it to you. Now, this is a new launch of ministry, okay? And it's going to be characterized by the leading of the Holy Spirit. Now, they weren't quite ready for this yet because they're still thinking in terms of the kingdom in Jerusalem. We're going to sit on the left and the right of Jesus, da-da-da-da. But he saved these things not only for them. Again, they could not bear these things. They couldn't hear it. And why couldn't they hear it? They had other ideas. Sometimes, folks, we can't hear what God says because we are in the way. Our desires, our focus, what we think should be, we won't hear God. We don't hear yeah. How often when Jesus, think, I, I think of Peter, when, when Jesus said to, to, to when, when Peter was talking about, Jesus was talking about going away, Peter began to rebuke him. And, and Jesus turned to him and, and said, get, you, get thee behind me, Satan, because you focus and, are, and value the things are of this, that are of this world, not of the kingdom. 
And folks, sometimes we value the things around us, and so we can't see what God wants. You've you got to remember, you've got, you've got to, you've, you and I have to, to, to recognize that God says, okay, all this is going to burn up. And, and look at the, look, and, 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 and try to see it from the perspective of somebody who knows it's, it's, it's like a, a, the whole thing's like a, a, a tin can that you, you know, like you crush and throw in the bin. And there, a new launching into the ministry is characterized by the leading of the Holy Spirit, and there's an inextricable tie with God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay? I can't, you know, people, you know, modern thinking, modernists, have the have the have the biggest problem with with this 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 kind of this connection because everything's got to be sliced neatly into segments and they don't touch anything okay God Father God Jesus the Son Jesus said the Father and I are one the Holy Spirit comes from the Father but I send him okay some things some things are simply outside of, of, of the paradigms that we, that we kind of like live, in, live under, okay? And, and we simply have to accept them as faith. It's, it's, just, it's, it's just another way of living. And God is re- revealing this to us. Okay. The Acts, Acts 1. We'll just go Acts 1, verse 6. So when they had come together, they were asking him, Lord, is it at this time you're going to restore Israel? And he said to, to them, It's not for you to know the times or the epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. Now, if you, if you've, if you hopefully you've figured out that I've, I'm not just taking one passage and just kind of pulling it apart for you today. This is more of a topical thing, but I want to share with you as it lay, as it falls out. In order to understand what was going on in the book of Acts, you really have to understand what was going, the, what, the, what Jesus was doing on the lead up. And if you, for, that, for that matter, you can go all the way back to the Old Testament and you'll find these, these, these brilliant bursts of light and truth. That God is saying that he's simply lodged here and there for those who will look for them. God's saying, I'm going to do this. One of these days I'm going to do this. And, you know, God being infinitely uh, patient and, and one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. I, I don't get that. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm lodged in time and sometimes my days are run slowly and the years are numbered. See, but God, God's different. One day is as a thousand years, a thousand years uh, as one day. Right? That's God. See, so so he, he he places these things, and I'll share uh, maybe a few of those. Uh, an Isaiah passage where he's even letting them know, and they're probably scratching their head. I wonder what this means. But later on, they say, "Yeah, God was God was at work." So. He says, you'll, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now, he says, the Holy Spirit's coming, but now you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Okay? And you'll be my witnesses. Now, what in, that, in that passage, in that little passage, there's just three things there. Uh, he's giving them instructions. Pay attention. Okay? He's giving them instructions. He's equipping them for, for the work. You will receive power once the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and then you'll be my witnesses. Okay? Power. And then the, the character and the, outcoming, the outcome of that equipping, the, the character uh, and the, out uh, the outcome of that equipping, uh, you know, in other words, say, what do I need? It's like, what do I need? You want me to be your disciple? What do I need? You want me to witness all over the world? What do I need? Well, you need the Word of God, right? Well, they've been sitting three years as, as close as anybody can be to God. And they've, they've watched. They've seen. They've shared of the essence of the Holy Spirit because he sent them out. He gave them authority to do all these things, right? They came back and said, woo That was fun. He was just kind of warming them up to this. Does that make sense? Now, but the big deal's coming, he says, and, and I'll, read, I'll read some passages if we talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, I hope this makes sense, and it made sense to me when I wrote it. When we speak of the equipping of God, and we speak of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, because uh, 
and I'll get around to tongues in a little bit. I find some lists about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Pentecostals like the gifts of the Holy Spirit, as we should. The church should like the gifts of the Holy Spirit because God doesn't give us optional equipment. I just don't think that. I think the things that he gives us are the things that we need, right? And, and I think we should approach them that way rather than saying, well, you know, I'll take this one and that one. This other one, eh. I've been prone to say before, the gifts of the Holy Spirit and what God's will is not like a, a big uh, a buffet. Like, I'm going to take this, this, and this, and not that. God intended for the gifts of the Holy Spirit to be used for the church. Let's look at uh, Romans, the 12th chapter, and just get the sense of, uh, of some of the gifts. There's three lists in the New Testament that kind of tell us what the, some of the gifts of the Holy Spirit are. And I don't think they're supposed to be exhaustive, but they're in, in the context of the passage, they mean something. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to each of us, um, uh, given to us, each of us is, is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy, according to the proportion of, fa- of his faith. If service, in his serving. Or he who teaches, in his teaching. Or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, and he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Okay? Now, you know, there's, there's, a, there's more here than just a list. And I, but the only, my, my point here is, is to share with you one of the lists. Prophecy, service, teaching, exhortation, giving, leading, mercy. Okay? These are gifts to the church by the Holy Spirit. All right? All right. Ephesians 4. Gives us another list. Ephesians 4.10. He who descended is he himself also. He who ascended far above all the heavens so that he might fulfill all things. And he gave some as pastors. I'm sorry. Some as apostles. Some as prophets. And some as evangelists. And some as pastors and teachers. You notice that, that these are kind of like positional gifts. These, the characteristic of these, are, they're a little different than, than, than what I just read before. But these are things that God gave by the Holy He said, when he ascended, when he descended, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts to the church. Okay? And these are the gifts, the leadership gifts. Okay? All right. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Okay? I'll not say that everyone who goes by the name of one of these is one. Can I say that? Usually, um, you'll know, their, know the fruit, know, the, know what the fruit is by, by their fruit. You know, you'll know what the tree is by their fruit. And so that's probably a better, a better sense of, of, of understanding and knowing uh, where the gift is. It, it, it makes it self-evident, right? Okay. In 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, we have a third list. And some of, some of this has some overlapping information. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. But to each one, now you've got to catch all of these things here. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. And another, the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. And to another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. And to another, the effecting of miracles, and to another, prophecy, and to another, the distinguishing of spirits, to another, various kinds of tongues, to another, interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all of these, distributing to each one individually as he will. Now, the point here in this passage, if you're really studying this passage, the point is not the gifts. The point was the one Spirit. And that, within the context of, of, the, the, of the Corinthian mindset and the pagan mindset where there was lots of gods, Paul was kind of saying, okay, no, this is about one Holy Spirit, one God. Okay? But that aside, we do get a picture of another list of gifts. And there's some, there's some overlap here, isn't there? But there's some new stuff here, word of wisdom. There's a word of wisdom. Wow. And, and, and there's... On the, on the fourth week of this series, I'll go into some of these in a little more detail and talk about the characteristics and how these things 
work and what, and what, what, what their function is and, and how they work for us and, and in us and as a church. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, affecting miracles, prophecy, distinguishing of spirits, various kinds of tongues, and interpretation of tongues. But I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. Let's go back to Jesus' instructions uh, before he left. Uh, now, there were about 500 present at his ascension. You know what the ascension means, okay? He's, he died on the cross, went into the grave. He rose again, and he hung out with his disciples, and he appeared to his disciples over, uh, over an extended period of time between Passover and the day of Pentecost. And he was there, and he, he appeared to them, okay? But on the day that he ascended, ascended means that he gathered together with them and he gave them some final instructions, kind of like mom and dad do when they go out on a date. Said, "Okay, kids, don't tear the house down." Now, it wasn't what Jesus wasn't saying that to them. He says he was giving them some instructions, and then he, the scripture tells us he was taken up, and they stood there and watched him go. That was the ascension. Now, let me read and read about this in Acts, Acts, the, the first chapter, verse four. Gathering them together, it's in this context. He commanded them not to leave Jerusalem. Wait a second. Jesus, didn't you tell us to go into all the world and teach and preach the gospel? Yeah. But let's get things in in order. Oftentimes you're called to do something to be something that you're not ready for. Oftentimes, uh, I mean, the calling always comes before the equipping. Did you know that? God will lay something on your heart that you'll look forward to, but you're not ready yet. Most of the time you're not ready. There's some things that he wants to do. And you'll see that in the, in, in the scriptures too. Yeah? You'll see that in Paul. Paul, I mean, the apostle Paul, was a, he was one smart guy. He, he, he was like trained. He was classically trained in, 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 in the religious studies of Israel. I mean, he was a, he was a Pharisee, a zealot. He was just really, really a, a tough guy. He knew stuff. And God knocked him off his horse on the way to Damascus. Okay? And, and he immediately went out and started testifying. They were, they were going to kill him. You know, they were going to kill him. They had to hide, the disciples had to hide him. He wasn't ready. He went and spent three years in Syria. Then he became ready. Sometimes, always, how about this? Always the calling comes before the ready. Because just because you're called, this is the lesson we have to learn. Doesn't, just because you're called to do something doesn't mean you're ready to do it. There's a period of preparation. And you just, sometimes you just wait. Say, God, when? Submit yourself to the preparation and what takes place in the ensuing time. My first sermon was horrible. Called to preach, but it was horrible. And it lasted maybe seven minutes. The, the, the saving grace is that, that, that everybody knows that there's no such thing as a bad short sermon. <laughs> this one won't be. <laughs> I'm way beyond caring now. <laughs> I just want you to have the information. I just want you to have it because this is important stuff. He says, gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised. Which he said, you've heard, of, you've heard it from me, for John baptized with water. But you, will be baptized, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, the, the Bible tells us the disciples, ultimately, they, they returned to Jerusalem and, and, and to a certain upper room, okay, where they were hanging out. I guess it became their headquarters. Some of them were staying there. But there was unity and they were devoting themselves to prayer. If you read through the passage, that's what happened. And later on, now again, you, if you can see this chronologically, the crucifixion of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, that period of time when he would appear to them and re-establish uh, and, and, and reform the relationships and, and, and then his ascension, and he sent them back to Jerusalem to wait. He said, go back to Jerusalem and wait. So they waited. But the day of Pentecost, 50 days... After the Passover, everybody was in Jerusalem. Everybody was in Jerusalem. You know, because they had come there for, for the celebration of Pentecost. This place was a bustling, crowded place. The people were there. And, says, and when the day of Pentecost had come, they, the, uh, speaking of the disciples, were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a noise. A noise. 
A noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire, distributing themselves, and they rested on each and every one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now, could I say this was the beginning of, of, of this ministry? This was, in a sense, the gate. Could I say this was the surprise behind door number one? Yeah? Yeah? Did they know about prophets? Yeah. Did they know about teachers? Yeah. Did they know about pastoral kind of work? Yeah. Did they know about most of these things that I've read about, these gifts of the Spirit? Yeah. Were these, these strange? If you read through the, the, Old Testament, the Old Testament, you'll find that there were examples of almost every one of these manifestations. They were, they were very periodic, and, 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 and it didn't happen all the time, but they were aware of these things. This tongues thing, which quite frankly is a little different, and actually, that's, that, that, they didn't see that coming. They did not see this coming. No, well, you know, there is a passage of Scripture, and I'll share that with you in a minute. But they didn't see this coming. This was the, this was the beginning. This is the, the, you might say, the, the gate of spiritual gifting. This was the beginning. And it's, and it's so, so much of that way for you, too. Every place, and I'll, I'll share this later on, where the Scripture, now I'm not talking about what people say, what the Scripture says, that when people are baptized in the Holy Spirit, the predominant, the predominant repetitive manifestation is that they speak with tongues. Okay? I'll talk about that. I'll talk about what, 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 what's the point and what's the purpose. Not just gibber, is it just jibber-jabbering? What is this about? Okay? Now let's, let's, let's look at door number one. Okay, the sound of wind. What's, what was that about? Well, we find in the, in the book of John, uh, chapter 20, verse 19, it says, so when it was evening, it says, this was after his resurrection. Jesus, this was right before Jesus, uh, Jesus died, or Jesus ascended. He said, so when it was evening of that day, the first day of the week, when the doors were shut and the disciples were for fear of the Jews, uh, <coughs> they were hiding, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said, peace be to you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And the disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. He said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, also I send you. And when he had said this, what did he do? He breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. See? He was killing them in. So one of the first signs there. But it was never repeated again. This sound, not, it wasn't when, it was the sound of when. See? You, see? you see, the scripture will interpret itself if you're paying attention. See? see, Jesus was kind of like, okay, this is what's going to happen. <sighs> Receive the Holy Spirit. And on the day of Pentecost, what was the first thing they heard? The breath of Jesus. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that excites me. I said, wow, yeah, okay, I get it. I get it. The next thing was the fire. This is fire set on each of them. And the significant, now, this signified, if, you, if, you're, a, if you're a scholar, I mean, when I say a scholar, I'm not a scholar, but, but just someone who's reading and paying attention to the scripture. See, the place where God dwelled had always had an altar, always had a sacrifice on it. And the flame always sat where, the, where that sacrifice was. Now, now, if you read, read back to the time of when Moses put together the first tabernacle and they had their first service there, fire came down, consumed the sacrifice. God was saying, this is the place where I will dwell. Now, you go back and you read that and, you'll, and you prove, prove this right. Okay? This is where I will dwell. It, it's God's, there's, there was a couple other places where we see God is putting his stamp of approval. This is my home. This is me. This is where I will be. You see that with the, with the, the, with the first service of the tabernacle. You see this with the first service of the temple, the one that Solomon built. You also see it, interestingly enough, in, I believe it's uh, First Kings, when, uh, when, when they were doing this thing with Elijah and the prophets of Baal. The fire answered, uh, fire, God answered by fire. So we see here, this signified the fire that, that was on each one of them, signified the acceptance of the sacrifice, uh, 
and was present at every initial dedication of the places where God chose to dwell. The rigid, the tabernacle, the rigid temple, and, and, even, and, and, and now you. What's the scripture say? Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? whom you have from God, and that you're not your own. You see, you see, this, the, see the changes that's taking place here? The shifts from buildings to people? Eh? He said, you know the Holy Spirit. He's with you, but he'll be in you. I mean, this was huge, even though they kind of missed it. But you see how this is laying out in Scripture. And so, here we are. The tongues, the, the third sign. Now, that was, that was different. They'd seen fire, yeah, wind, but tongues, that was different. Now, I recognize there are people who in, in all kinds of thing, uh, places and, and, and religions that kind of babble and, and, and stuff, but there's a purpose here. It's not just babbling. And you find the one passage of Scripture, and this is quoted in, in, in the context of this event, uh, it's, it's Isaiah 28:11. He says, "Indeed, he will speak through the through stammering lips and a foreign tongue." Tongue, okay. And this is spoken of. This is later on in this this passage. I believe it's Peter who stands and says, "This is what this is," and he quotes Isaiah the 28th chapter, verse 11. Okay, all right. Of the winds, the fire, the tongues, the three initial manifestations that accompanied the baptism with the Holy Spirit, we only find tongues manifested again and again as people were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now we see, in, in, we see there's a couple of instances I'll throw at you real quickly, and, and I, know, I hope this isn't too dry. Okay? In the book of Acts, we find the 10th chapter. It was an event where Peter was present. He says, for they heard them speaking in tongues and exalting God. Then, and, and, and Peter was there. And basically he says, we know that they've, been, they've received the same gift that we did because we heard them speaking in tongues. Now, in, later on in, in, in Acts, the 19th chapter, it says, and Paul laid hands upon them and the Holy Spirit came on them and they began, in, to speak, began speaking in tongues and prophesying. Now, the result of these things, now it's not all just about tongues, it's not all about the gifts, but the, the cool result of these things was there was power. There was power to witness. There was, there was ministry that took place. I mean, I mean, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk, okay? All of these kind of things began happening all over, okay? And there was unity also. What I find, folks, now I look over at this congregation, and I look at, you know, you know we have a little bit of diversity here. We have Republicans and Democrats who worship together, and independents, and, and other forms of diversity here that are present. Here's what I find, that when the Holy Spirit's moving in people's lives, they'll all come together, and no matter what color they are, what, what, whatever they are, it, it, it's, it just, it, that's one of the signs of the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Because people who are hungry, those things don't matter anymore. They just want God. And God just kind of levels the playing field and fills our hearts with love in unnatural ways. When I say unnatural ways, under the, the natural man does not understand the things of God. The natural man is self-serving. The natural man thinks about himself. The natural man is full of, is full of hell. And God has a different way. And when he sends his spirit, other things happen. Power, ministry, and unity. Now, there's pushback uh, almost always. Now, there's, what I find and, is that there's hardly ever pushback about, you know, I'm gifted to be a teacher. If I tell you that I'm gifted to be a teacher, that eh, proof's in the pudding, right? I don't get a lot of pushback there. Uh, you know, sometimes people get a little nervous about prophets, okay? People who are prophets. But a true prophet... Uh, they won't get nervous about because they'll say, wow. Okay? A person who's putting themselves out there as a prophet and just, just trying to control other people, we, we want to just kind of put them on a rail and, put the, and send them out of town. You know, that's not God. Okay? But we know. You have the Holy Spirit in you. You know when God speaks. You may not like it. 
Anybody, you know, there are things that God has said to me that I didn't want to hear. But I knew it was God. Eh? So, I know. You have the Holy Spirit. He witnessed, my spirit witnesses with that spirit. Because I recognize the footprints of God because he's in me. You know that. There's pushback, though. Not so much about prophecy, not so much about teaching, not even apostles and such. Service, all of these gifts that I list off. We typically don't see a lot of pushback there, but when it comes to tongues, there's pushback, isn't there? That, that caused me to say, why? Now, why would there be a spiritual, the, the spiritual dimension? There's always, because we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We wrestle against principalities and powers in high places. That's a part of this whole deal, okay? Why? Because that gift is the doorway to power. So the gift is, is the doorway to all the other gifts. Now, we'll talk about some of, and I'll, I'll share this. Like, what were the gifts for? Well, we read some of that. It says, for the building up of the body of Christ. Now, all the gifts, you know, were for the building up of the body of Christ. If you can choke it off at the point of, of entrance, then you've got it, right? So we're going to have spiritual pushback here. Now, Sometimes, you know, I, I think the reason that, that we get the pushback is because this is about power, about spiritual power. Yeah, you're ba- if you get baptized in the Holy Spirit you're, and you're praying and you're singing and you're worshiping in tongues and you practice, because remember, you got to remember, Paul said, I thank my God I speak in tongues more than y'all. Okay? Huh? There's a reason for that. There's a reason that the Apostle Paul, that Peter and all of those, those, those apostles practiced this gift after they received it. Because it was about power. It was about connection to God. It was, and I'll, I'll share some of this with you, okay? All right. Now, some of the pushbacks comes from, that's personal, it's, it's ignorance. I don't know what this is about, you know? It sounds kind of weird to me. You know, I spoke to my brother on the phone last night. He doesn't listen to podcasts, so I can share this. And, and I told him I was going to, you know, do a, do, a, do a sermon here. And he says, well, well uh, what are you going to do with the snakes? <laughs> I said, maybe I'll keep them in the back room. I don't know. But ignorance, ignorance, you know. Uh, they just don't know. They don't know. What, what is this? They're just jammering around. Wait, of course. Paul says that, of course, if you come into a place and you're speaking in tongues, nobody's going to understand that. They're not going to be edified. They're not going to be strengthened. But there's a purpose and a reason for the, the tongues. Okay? okay. Uh, how about pride? You may know that this is, this is God's gift. You're not ignorant at all. You read the Bible. You read the Word of God. But you have a reputation to uphold. And if, you're, if the people that you socialize with, you know, go to the dinner clubs with, whatever, yeah, if those people knew that you were that that this is something that happens in your life on a regular basis, they're gonna think differently of you, right? <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, it, and, or or I don't want to go down up there and I don't know what will happen to me. Pride. Pride. Okay? Now, why should I receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? First of all, it's a promised gift from God. In Ephesians 5 he says Understand what the will of God is. He said, said it this way. Understand what the will of God is. It's not God's will that you be drunk with wine. It's God's will that you be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, there are other things attached to that passage, but it's God's will that you be filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay? It's a promise gift from God. It's his will that you be filled. And obviously, if we read through the book of John, this was really, really important to Jesus. That his disciples be equipped, be ready. That they that they says, look, I've sent you out all over, but but I want you to go back first to, to Jerusalem and and wait for the promise of the Father. That was important to Jesus. So if you ask yourself a question, why should I be baptized in the Holy Spirit? Know this that it was important to Jesus. It was important enough that he said, it's to your advantage that I go away because unless I go away, he will not come. He, you know him, he's with you, he will be in you. These, were, these things were important to Jesus. And I would say, if God wants you to have it, why not? Okay? Peter, Paul, all the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit. 
They, 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 they prayed, they spoke, and I, I'm getting ahead of myself, they spoke with tongues. Okay. Tongues was the initial manifestation when a person received the, the gift of the Holy Spirit. It hasn't changed. You and I need this. Okay. Now, Paul, in, if, you, if, you read the, the, if you read the Corinthian church passage, you'll, you'll know that he dealt with some issues and problems that were specifically uh, in that church, and don't go running off and with some of the things that he said to them about the context that they were in, and said, well, God says that it's not that, um, uh, uh, Paul says it's not that important. But he's, he's, he, he, as, as he opened up, and, and he, as he corrected the Corinthian church, at the end of that, he said two things. He said, forbid not to speak in tongues, and I speak in tongues more than you all. So it was important. It was how they did it. How they did it and what they used it for. And I, that's, a, that's a sermon for another day. Okay, what's in, the, what's in this for you? Can I, can I get to that? What's in this for you? Is, is that too self-serving to say, what's in this for you? I think God has something in this for you. Okay? Um, here's a passage of Scripture. It's in Corinthians. He says, Pursue love, yet earnestly desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For the one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one, no one understands, but in his spirit he speaks mysteries. Okay? Two things I want you to get from that, just that one line. That when a person speaks in tongues, they're speaking to God. They're not preaching. Okay? I know what happened in the book of Acts. It says, those men heard them speaking in their own languages, and they were glorifying God. Nowhere, I mean, you could, you could say they were preaching, but you could also say they were just worshiping. Right? Okay? See that. So, so some who would use that argument, oh, we're, we're supposed to go and preach into all these lands. That's an un, I mean, that's, that's, that's not there in that passage. That's a leap. That is a theological leap. It says simply that they were glorifying God and speaking of the works of God. Okay? Now, but the, the, the next thing I say, the one who speaks in tongues speaks to God. Now, every time, I've, every time I think about that, I think, well, that must be prayer. If I'm speaking in tongues, I'm speaking to God. That's prayer, isn't it? That's prayer. Okay? So, uh, what's in this for you? It's a prayer language. Okay? In, in, the, in, the, in the fourth verse it says, and Paul says, the one who speaks in tongues edifies himself. Okay? So it's prayer and you receive edification. What's edification? That's spiritual building up. Okay? Do you need that? I, I look out among you on Sunday morning. You need it. Yeah, I, I'm serious. Yeah, I, it's like, I, you know, it used to be this, they had these little things at the, on the farm, and they had a battery in them, and they had two little things on the end. You pull the trigger, and zoom, you know, and it's for cattle, you know, just a, it's a, called a cattle prod. And sometimes I think we need some kind of spiritual cattle prod on Sunday mornings. Like, we come in, maybe beat up all week long, I don't know. And, and, I, and I'd, love, I'd love to just say, look, just get your hands in the air. Begin to, begin to connect with him. Just do it intentionally. Begin to worship him. Tell him how much you love him in spite of how you feel. And you'll watch that flip. You'll watch that turnaround. You'll sense that turnaround in you. Okay? All right. So that's, the, that's a rabbit trail. Okay? All right. Okay, it's prayer. And the one who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. So when I pray in the Holy Spirit, I'm built up. In, in the book of Jude, there's only one chapter. He says, building yourselves up in your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. And you say, well, can't you pray? No. Tongues is praying in the Holy Spirit. And we'll find that, and we'll find that later on in, in, in the things that Paul says. It doesn't mean that, oh, I recognize that I can pray spiritedly. And I know the Holy Spirit's in me, and I can use my own language. But Paul indicates that if you're talking about praying in the Holy Spirit, it's praying in tongues. And we'll see that in just a moment here. See that in just a moment. Okay? Now, so it's prayer. It builds you up spiritually. Now, another place we find in the 14th verse, he says, but if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What's the outcome? And when he says it's unfruitful, I have no idea what I'm saying. That's kind of an interesting way of saying, my mind's unfruitful. 
In other words, I was saying something, but my mind was unfruitful. In other words, what he was saying, I don't know what I was saying. Now, many of us, would, many moderates will say, well, there's no reason to pray if you don't know what you're praying. God, this is the mystery of it all. This is the power of it all. And, and Paul was obviously okay with it. So was Peter. So were all the disciples. He says, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. Catch that. My spirit prays. We're introducing something different here. My spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What is the outcome then? I will pray with the spirit, and I will pray with my mind also. Okay? Now he's talking about, uh, on one hand, praying with my spirit. The Holy Spirit's tongues. And with my mind. In other words, I formed the words. I think, I think, of, I think of, of, of Mary. I said, God, bless Mary. I think of, of Jessica. I said, God, bless Jessica. Oh, Lord. God, bless Kimmy. God, bless Bonnie. You know, I'm forming those. He says, I will pray with, with my spirit and I will pray with my mind also. Isn't that, isn't that cool that we have an option? That we're to do both of those things? Now, here, and it doesn't end there. And this gets into your area here. Now, says it says, I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with, my, with the mind also. How about that? You mean I can not only pray with my Spirit, that I, but I can worship in tongues? Yeah. Okay? Even though my mind is unfruitful? There are a lot of things, folks, that our mind is unfruitful, that we walk in faith. Yeah. We walk in faith. I know I'm going over, but I, I, I really need to get this to you. It's not only, it's not only a way to pray, it's also a, a way to worship with the Holy Spirit's gu- uh, guidance. Okay? Okay? Here's a, here's a passage. Romans 8, verses 26 and 27. These are not up there because I didn't get them all to my, va- my wife. Uh, in the same way the Spirit helps our weaknesses. Okay? Talking about praying in the Holy Spirit. How's the Holy Spirit act? In the same way the Spirit also helps our weakness. For we, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. How about that? Not only do I pray uh, and my mind is unfruitful, but by the Holy Spirit in me is directing me in my prayers in complete harmony with the will of God. I mean, sometimes I don't know how to pray as I ought. Sometimes I don't know what the answer is. I don't know what to ask for. When I stand before somebody, and I don't know, I can't look inside their mind or inside their spirit and find and say, God, what is it? So I lay my hands on him and in faith pray in the Holy Spirit. Okay? See, you see the benefits here? Ephesians, the sixth chapter, is a, is a, is a chapter, you know, the helmet of salvation, shield of faith, all that stuff. You know, we've, we've read about that. This is spiritual warfare. And we're talking about what's in this for us. And the 18th verse says, With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for the saints in the context of the helmet of salvation, quenching the fiery darts with the shield of faith. He said, in all times, pray in the Holy Spirit. It is, an, it, it is, a, it is, a, is a weapon of warfare. <laughs> it's a weapon of warfare. Ladies and gentlemen, God is good to us. So what's in this for you? It's a form of prayer. It's a form of worship. When you pray this way, there's a spiritual building up. There's edification. There's a form of, it's a form of spiritual welfare, a warfare. It's also, when you pray this way, you pray and you sing and you worship in complete harmony with the will of God. Is that enough? I say, is, is that enough for you to say, I want that? I want that? Let me, let me throw something else at you that this is just me. And this is in, in, in line with the passages that I've read. Holy Spirit gave this to me some time ago, and it really excited me. Just praying in and with the Holy Spirit allows me to pray outside the limitations of my conscious mind, outside the limitations of my faith, outside and beyond the parameters of my knowledge, my, my, my imagination, and my will. Did you catch that? I want you to get this, because this is cool. Because sometimes we think, well, we don't have faith. 
Praying in and with the Holy Spirit allows me to pray outside the limitations of my conscious mind, my thinking, the limitations of my own faith, beyond the parameters of my knowledge, my imagination, and my will. You know? It allows us to tap into that thing eyes have not seen nor ears heard. (laughs) What God has in, in store, in storage, ready for you. You know? I said, I can't even imagine. Some of the things that God has done in me and through me and with me and are in my life and, and around my life, I, I didn't expect them, didn't imagine them. Praying in the Holy Spirit allows me to tap into that and to be used of God. Amen? Music, please. I know some of you might have to go because, wow, the kids are probably downstairs or something, but... And maybe, maybe you need to stand with me, if you will. Maybe you need to chew on this. I want you to know this, God's will for you to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. I couldn't de- I dealt with a whole lot of stuff. I didn't, there's no way I could deal with it all. You know, that's what this series is for. Maybe I've given you too much this morning, but this one thing, this one thing you need to know that God wants you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. If you're baptized in the Holy Spirit and you spoke in tongues once or twice, I'm I'm saying, boy, you missed it. This is something that's available for you every day. Part of your devotions. Riding down the road. Early in the morning. You want to, you know, feel a little dry, begin to pray in the Holy Spirit. Let Let God use you. Let God touch you. Let God minister to you. A lot of people haven't received the gift of the Holy Spirit. I can talk about some of the other gifts, but this is the gateway. This is the gateway to all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. This is like step number one. As we worship. I, you know, we need to do something with this today. We need to do something with this today. Whether or not... Um, whether or not uh, you, you pray, whether or not you say, God, I see in your word that I need to re- open myself to this so God fill me with the Holy Spirit. 